You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Thursday, our president just left earlier today for Argentina. I'm going to play you a bit of a clip of uh, uh, breaking what's going on now. We have a very good friend of mine, Laura Loomer. She has gone to New York and she has handcuffed herself to the Twitter offices in New York in protest of silencing conservative voices. Yesterday, she announced in the evening that she has joined a class action suit against all social media giants uh, by uh, that's being led by Larry Clayman. That does not mean that there isn't a separate suit just specifically for Twitter. That's just a tip. Now, let's listen to what's going on live in New York right now. The police have surrounded the building. Laura has peacefully stood there. She's got a billboard of her tweet that supposedly was hate speech. Listen to what she's saying. Jews and Christians, deleted, you're banned. Everything that you've ever worked for is gone. Boom. With one click, you're not even allowed to use social media. So it could be any of us. It could be President Trump. I mean... Hey, didn't some Twitter employee admit to uh, President Trump's Twitter account for like 11 minutes this past year? Even the president of the United States is being shadow banned and censored and deleted off social media. Can you believe it? In America. That's how much power Jack Dorsey has. So you need to ask yourself to the members of Congress and even President Trump if you're watching right now. Do you think that it's right for these social media companies to have that much power? Should Jack Dorsey and Mark Zuckerberg have the power to to eradicate Jews, eradicate Christians, eradicate the president of the United States from social media simply because they disagree with your opinion? This is a conversation we all need to have. Is it okay for these social media companies to decide that you're not allowed to have an income anymore and shut down PayPal so that you're not allowed to have money? Are we supposed to be homeless? We have Dr. Jane Ruby there, and I don't know if Jane's listening. I highly doubt it because she's periscoping, but thanks for being there, Jane. I wish I could be there. I couldn't. I had previous commitments. I have been holding this a secret since I knew, um, you know, it was going to happen. I am so proud of her. She is standing there in her shirt. She's actually put on the yellow star, that infamous yellow star that the Jewish people were forced to wear by Hitler. Now, what she is saying about social media, because a lot of people will be like, well, you got banned. No, it's not like that. This is a new method of communication. This is how we communicate in 2018. She had over a quarter million people following her. She had PayPal to which people would pay her to continue what she's been doing. 
this is her source of income as an independent journalist, not being owned by advertisers, you know, and special interests. She doesn't mind getting arrested, by the way. Uh, someone just sent me a message. She might get arrested. And I told her that you might get arrested. Let me know if you need anything, because you know what? There are millions of people out there right now cheering her on because I was banned from Twitter because I told someone abortion is murder. They didn't like that. They didn't like that. So here's the thing. Social media companies fall under something called the Communications Decency Act. There's a specific section, section 230, that literally states because they are an open public platform to all, they cannot be held responsible for any hate speech or any crime they may, that may be committed using their platforms for communication. So basically, if ISIS plans a terror attack and they use Twitter, we can't sue Twitter because it's not Twitter's job to uh, filter their communications. Though, on the other hand, uh, Twitter, obviously, uh, in an article where I pretty much it was titled uh, Jack Dorsey lied in Congress and here's why and why he won't get prosecuted. Twitter, Facebook. Both of those platforms have given open and full access to the uh, FBI and all other intelligence uh, agencies. So that way they can monitor for things like this, for terror attacks, plots, death threats, and for people that are actually victims of real hate speech and real cyber stalking can use you know, through those platforms can actually obtain evidence and prosecute them in court. It's kind of like if someone was harassing you on the telephone. So the fact that right now we have these social media companies nannying means that they are acting like publishers. A publisher cannot ever in the history of forever have immunity to things that are posted. So the thing is, is, which one is it? Are you a publisher slash, you know, nanny and you tell people what they can and can't post? Or are you an open platform immune to things that are on there? Because like Laura said, in that list she has, I have, there are thousands of tweets out there that direct hate to Jewish people, that direct hate to Palestinians, that direct hate to black Americans, white Americans, whatever. But, you know, the ones that are directed to whites... Uh, Jews, and what else, conservatives in general, those are allowed to live and without consequences. Michelle Malkin uh, did a great segment. It's floating around on Facebook and Twitter. Follow her if you're not following her. She's a great female journalist, investigative journalist. I love her. So Michelle did a piece where she actually compared and contrasted you know, two people that are considered to be very solid in their view. One that is a solid liberal leftist, and then Laura Loomer, who has never, by the way, promoted hate speech. Anything she posts is facts. Like, me and her talking about stories, she's like, well, we need to cite this. We need to make sure. Substantiated speech. There is no such thing as, you didn't cite this, you can't find verification. You can't just say someone told me. You've got to have a source when you're reporting things. So anything she puts out there is actually factual. Yet this Jong, liberal, 
was posting things like killing whites. I wish all whites died. Things like that. And she was offered a blue check mark suddenly and a position writing for, you know, the preferred choice for corrupt government officials to leak the New York Times. It's only a matter of time until she's fired from there anyway. <laughs> oh, gosh. You know, there's a lot of people out there right now that are like, well, Twitter's a private company. No, 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 no. Private, public, whatever. It is covered under the Communications Decency Act. They are not held responsible for anything, right, that anybody writes. And they chose to take the action as a publisher. So right now, they are liable with those actions because they are verifiable discriminatory actions as a publisher. So Laura has been provided some paperwork. I see there's a lot of people there, lots of police presence. They've even barricaded the area up. And the police are very nice to her. And I think NYPD supports Laura Loomer. I'm pretty sure they do because a lot of her fans are police. A lot of her fans are government officials. None of them will stand up and say it because she is tipping journalism on its head. It's people like Laura who have changed what a journalist is. It's someone who is not afraid to stare the truth and repeat it and say it, confront it. That's the way it should be. A lot of people tell me the stuff I say on the radio or write about will get me killed. Because that's not what journalists do. They just, they just take, you know, they take direction and they regurgitate. That's not the way it is. Real journalists find the facts. Real journalists spend years, months, days, maybe just minutes on a story to provide it to you because it's of interest to you. This is what this woman did. And again, we talk about free speech, what she's doing by herself handcuffing herself to that door is standing up for, for each and every one of us or our kids in the future or your neighbor. And she's standing up for me too. Because conservatives are discriminated against. Discrimination doesn't stop at skin color. It, it continues on to cultural nuances, ethnicity, uh, religion, right? Sex, gender, et cetera, et cetera. Why isn't political opinions or political view or political affiliation considered something that you can be discriminated against? Of course it is. In my state here in North Dakota, it's literally written into our laws for employment that you cannot be discriminated against uh, based on your political views or your political affiliation, meaning if you're a Republican or a Democrat, someone can't refuse a job because you are. But obviously, we see that in Silicon Valley, that's not the case. Um, you know, and speaking of discrimination, right? Have you noticed that almost everyone that works for these companies is not very diverse, yet they pander diversity? But anyway, that's another story. Right now, she feels like the world has just given way under her own feet. She's been banned from Twitter. This is her livelihood and, you know, it's going to get worse. It's going to get so bad. And this is me pulling out my crystal ball right now, you know, time-traveling Tori. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to get really bad. She'll be banned everywhere. She, she might even want to go to Starbucks and they'll tell her, don't come in. That is how bad it's going to get. Banks 
are going to ban her. And you're going to be like, they can't do that. Watch. This is the United States of America, right? But watch it be like Venezuela. You'll be like, Tori, Venezuela, where'd that come from? We're going to be talking about that later on this month and in December because people are not paying attention. Venezuela is going to be a big topic for the first quarter of the year. Now, censorship is too. Because when we're getting closer to 2020, you know, like the president, like near Christmas, you know, like the fall and winter, you're going to have like presidential candidates on the left demanding that Twitter remove him. Insane stuff. Maybe because he says happy Halloween or he's gloating about the fact that, you know, the IG Pfizer report is going to be dropping at some point, you know, next year uh, in October and everyone's going to be freaking out. Maybe he says Merry Christmas too much and happy Hanukkah too much and it's really annoying them. Or maybe he has two scoops of ice creams. You know, we don't know. Censorship is huge. And what you need to understand is that Laura Loomer, she's going to fix this two ways. She's going to fix it. She's going to file a lawsuit and you'll be like, well, okay, let her file a lawsuit against Jack Dorsey. Whoop de do. It's not going to be against Jack Dorsey. If, time traveling Tory remembers correctly. <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, it'll probably be something like a uh, YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. And it won't be for like millions of dollars. This is going to be historic. It's going to be like billions, three to five billion. And I'll be like, Hey, can I like join in? Because <laughs> I, I'd like to buy a house so that I can live right next to you. So we can like hang out all the time in Washington, DC. And you're going to be like, but she doesn't live in Washington. Guess what guys? This woman, she's going to Congress and I'm going with her. She is going to Congress because she is going to change the world as you know it. And you're going to be like, Tori, that's crazy. Yeah, I say a lot of things that may sound a little bit off, but, you know, maybe they'll come out and you'll be like, oh, maybe Tori was right. This is what you have to think. The only way she gets her voice back is by becoming a public servant. Twitter will have no choice but to put her back on. And all the other platforms that will in the future remove her will indeed have to put her back on because you cannot silence a public official. That is illegal. So they're going to put her back on. And then when she's in the house, guess what? Tori's going to be the first one. Yep, I am to submit my resume that has no legal expertise (laughs) whatsoever, but I'm going to be the legislative director because you know who that is. That's the person that gets all the bills in the house and then looks through them and then points out stuff. Hey, this looks uh, dubious. Can you like dig into that? This looks like this uh, hidden clause, you know, kind of like you remember when Pelosi got caught with her IPOs, uh, you know, with Visa. And that's why she's a billionaire because she used like insider trading. So what they did to correct it was create the stop act and stop people in Congress from doing this blah. That's what the media told you. That's what they told you. Guess what? Does nothing to Congress. It does everything to you and I, but nothing to Congress. It's like, because there was this little loophole. So they just get away with getting gifts of stock like Apple, Google, Facebook, you know, gifts. Guys, this is going to get nuts. 2020 is going to be nuts. You're probably going to see like 20 candidates from the Democrats. I give you not. Even though I said Andrew Yang is the one to watch. The Democrats are so dumb. They're probably going to put their money on fake Ahantas. Bernie Sanders won't even make it. He'll probably have like a few heart attacks along the way. Uh, Michelle Obama might be mulling it, right? Hillary Clinton, probably in the nth hour because nobody can stand to it. I mean, who are they going to put on there? Uh, Spartacus? Are they going to put on, you know, 
<laughs> Kamala Harris, you know, she said, or Frederica Wilson. <laughs> I mean, they're all clowns. Or wait, what about Joe Biden? Oh my gosh. Barack Hussein Obama's best friend. Remember, he was like, oh, I'm going to announce it. Now, in July, he said he was, oh, I'm going to announce it. You're not going to announce crap. You got the Ukraine all over. You got China all over. You got issues with Iran. Your pockets have been lined by so many foreigners that are considered enemies. There's no way you will make it. But anyway, I digress. I want you guys to listen now as we um, follow Laura on this trip, right, where she, you know, I knew about it. Let me just, okay, just remember this. She will be in Congress. She will make history. and She is going to pass legislation in regards to actions as this. And I'm going to be so happy that I'm going to be in the background too because this is how you get things done. You're all in. That's what life is about, you guys. You're all in. You stand for what you believe in or you fall for everything. And this woman is standing for everything she believes in. So remember that a year, two years from now. I'm pretty sure that it's 2020 that she's going to run. I'm pretty sure it's 2020. So keep an eye out. Let's listen to what's going on because I'm curious. Tweeting right now, he's on Twitter. If you could say something to him, what would you say? Well, I would say, you know, President Donald Trump, uh, this is, you know, my second plea to you. Please do something before it is too late because your supporters and conservatives all around the world, people who admire you, people who look at you as a symbol of hope, a beacon of light for Western civilization, right? They are being silenced just for being your supporters. They are being silenced and shut down on social media because these social media companies are out of control. There's a clear-cut bias, and Silicon Valley is using its power and its dominance and and its uh, monopolistic control over technology to silence and ban conservatives from the digital public square. And you saw how this impacted the recent election, right? When 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 I confronted Jack Dorsey in Congress when he testified with Zuckerberg on September 5th, you know, I warned you, I said that the Democrats were going to try to steal the election with the help of Twitter and Facebook. They were going to silence and shut down conservatives. In the days and the weeks prior to the election, Facebook deleted thousands of, of conservative news sites, conservative pages. Some of them uh, had millions of followers, right? I mean, they're just banning these people. And those are millions of people who are now being cut off from conservative thought and now they're not even allowed to post their thoughts or post their investigations their videos i'm a conservative journalist you know i'm I'm a jew and i spend my time investigating and confronting a lot of these high profile democrats and exposing jihadis and these congresswomen and i was banned a week prior to the midterm election because i exposed linda sarsour because i exposed andrew gillen because i exposed stacey abrams right she also exposed Keith Ellison, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Talib. Gosh, imagine if they went to Israel. I'm pretty sure they're banned or will be. This could be a crystal ball moment. Just like imagine, right? Totally banned from Israel. <laughs> I'm just saying I'll take my TARDIS and park it outside. Okay, I'm just saying banned from Israel. Laura's right. What she is saying is correct. 
Prior to these uh, midterm elections, thousands of pages on Facebook and groups were deleted. People on Twitter were purged. People woke up in the morning and thousands of their followers were gone because they were banned. I can tell you I run a Facebook page for my uh, investigative reporting and for articles I write. I'm not allowed to promote them. It says it does not agree with the Facebook rules. I have screenshots of everything, specifically the article that I wrote about my friend Laura and how she was silenced. Literally, Facebook said that does not meet our uh, standards or community, blah, blah, blah. So you can't um, promote this. There's going to be a time in the short future where we're going to be driving it. You know, Loomer might end up in, uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi's porch, you know, mandating a conversation. That's how it's going to pan out. Yeah, she might even get arrested, but it's okay. She's okay with that. She'll do that. Congresswoman Loomer. This is incredible. Think about it. Just what they're doing. They are driving the conversations because they can and because they've been empowered to do so and no one can stop them. Well, I think they've met their match. Their match has been met because there is no way Laura is going away. There's no way I'm going away. What are they going to do? Shut down my other account? I've got Gab. What are they going to do? At some point, they're going to be held responsible. And you know, whatever lawsuit my friend Laura's doing, I'm jumping on. Who's else? Who else is going to jump on? You know, there's a lot of other people just like me right now listening that have been through the same thing, that have been silenced for their views, where people are allowed to call for the death of, you know, conservatives that, that, you know, I mean, even the Democrats themselves called for violence and to shut them out and to exclude them and do things like that. So what can we do? What we can do is support people like Laura, support investigative journalists, and show that we stand with them. Because this is just another ploy into how to get everyone to get their ducks in line. Hey, you're out of line. You're out. I will scrub you. What was that movie? Was it called Erased, the movie where the whole guy's identity, because the government didn't like him, was erased? He couldn't eat sleep, rent, anything. He couldn't do anything because his identity was erased. I remember when I um, came back stateside and, uh, you know, I went to uh, the medical college and I was uh, going out and I wanted to get like another job. So, you know, on the side. And it was more so for the MBA course, which I'm still three courses short, believe it or not. Um, I wanted to do an internship to get some hours. And I wasn't so big on social media. Like I had a Twitter account uh, from 2008, sorry, late 2008 or early 2009. I had Facebook where I was posting my kids' pictures. I had Instagram. Like I signed up with everything that has come out, I've signed up for. Just so that way I made sure that I had my name, my pick, kind of like, um, you know, email domains. You know, you ended up, if you weren't on email when it first started, you you got the really bad names. Everyone took your name or something or whatever you wanted to be called. So anyway, that's the only reason I had them. And I remember when I went um, to this firm uh, for this um, internship to fulfill these credits for my MBA in the marketing division, they said, you know, we, we looked at you and you like have no social media footprint. 
And I was like, I ain't got time for that. I'm in school. I've got kids. I've got, you know, my federal contracting. Like I'm working on my PhD. Are you kidding? Like, where would I have time? You know, Candy Crush is addictive. I don't even like, I wouldn't even look at social media because it was too addictive for me. And I realized that they literally look at all your social media. This is your brand because this is your artificial intelligence persona. This is your persona on the virtual plane. Every time you search, every time you speak, every time you look at your phone, you are captured by whatever service provider you have or whatever browser you use. And they've created the Tory on the web. What does Tori on the web do? What does she like to search? What does she like to read? What does she like to shop? Like knowing where I go on the internet and what I do on the internet, what I tweet about, what I post about on Facebook, pictures on my Instagram, whatever depicts who I am. Because that is where I feel like I can be myself because no one's looking at me. I could be in pajamas. I could be wearing a face mask and I could just be talking. And, and that's where, you know, this uh, facade that we have comes off. This is why I said a lot of people online are really, really nasty. You know, you see comments like, yeah, I hope they go to jail forever. Like, for example, I, there was a Facebook post about some guy who was facing, you know, at least, um, five or 10 years for touching himself, um, in public. So he was in a bar and, you know, he was checking some chick out and he was touching himself while he was doing it. And so people were saying really nasty things. And I was like, the guy's just a pervert. He's been, you know, reprimanded about this before, you know, there's peeping Toms that look and hide and play with themselves. And then there's peeping Toms that like the thrill of people might see them peeping and touching. Right. So this guy's just perverted. He's never going to escalate into rape because he's obviously done this five or six times, you know, and this girl was just so offended that the guy was checking her out while he was touching himself. It's not like you whipped it out in the bar, but anyway, the comments were just like sexual predator. He should be there for life. And I'm thinking he needs to sit in jail because he likes to touch himself when he looks at pretty women. You know, that was a little bit much for me. I, I know the guy, you know, it's a indecent exposure, et cetera. Right. But come on, let's be realistic. Right. It's never going to escalate into rape. First of all, you have to see his picture. No way. Uh, too tiny, too fragile, probably has mommy issues. This is why he does this. But I mean, people are just mean. Anytime they see a picture of someone, they always have something to say. And it's like, you're sitting on, you know, your dirty lawn chair in your living room, you know, in your dingy place, wiping Doritos on your bare skin. You know, that's what I picture. Um, what's that meme with the really naked plump guy, you know, with the 1980s computer saying, mom, dishing some social justice. This is what we see because that's their personality. That's the thing. Social media allows you to be you without confronting people. So this is where your side comes out. Your social media will tell me more about you than sitting down with you for five minutes and having coffee. Well, not for me, but in general, I'm just saying, because you know, when we're confronted with people, face to face, we speak differently than we do on social media. That's one, right? Okay. 
So this is why social media is important. It's actually a big chunk of our selves, like it or not. We do a lot of things online now. We pay our bills. We talk to friends. We chit chat. We do our banking transactions. I mean, who wants to go to the bank and wait in line and see the girl, Stephanie chewing her gum, you know, with her mouth open and then judging you because you only have five cents in your account, you know, when you could just do it online yourself, you know, supermarket shopping, who wants to lug all those big items, you know, like when you go for the big haul, like cleaners, water, toilet paper, kitchen paper, you know, you need one cart just for five things kind of thing. Uh, You know, you order it online. So the majority of our life is online, but there are people that have the power to turn it off and shut you out if they don't like you. That is the point here. Not only are they telling you that you either get your act together and abide and obey and follow what they tell you and think how they tell you and speak how they tell you, or you won't be able to get online and talk with your family and friends. You won't be able to see the president's tweets. That's another point, right? If the president was forced to open it because it's a public domain or something like that, well, no, it's because of that. Hmm. But that's another point. If the president communicates with the public there, can it be deemed illegal for Twitter disallowing you to see his announcements? Just saying. I mean, that's pretty interesting. It's a good angle. I have to make note of that. But yeah, but think about it. Laura's business was built on social media. Remember, she's 25 years old. She is going to be Connie Chung, Dan Rather, And then some, but without the liberal parts that they have, right? She is going to go down in history books because it's because of her, people like me have the, um, I would say had the ability to say, you know what? Yeah, I should be out there. I should be doing this. I have been investigating a matter, uh, in the Midwest that includes the state of North Dakota, South Dakota, and Minnesota for over a year and a half, just getting information because usually I'd pass it on to other people to do it for me. And when we say investigate, investigate. And it's through her that I saw that, you know what? I can do this because this is, I'm good at this. I should be writing more. I should be telling people the news because we can't rely on CNN, MSNBC, Fox, and then some. None of them are going to give us the real news. None of them are. They're going to give us what they want to give us. And that's the way it always goes. You know, it's what do they say um, is allowed um, for us to see? What are we allowed to see? And what are we allowed by them to understand? They control everything. They tell us when we can watch, what we can watch, and how we can think. This is pure Orwellian warfare. Pure Orwellian warfare. Your social media profiles are an extension of you. Now, if you look at my Instagram social media profile, it's all food. And I try to keep it only food because I love to cook. So that's a side of me that you will only see there in pictures, right? Let's all support Laura Loomer. Follow her page, lauralumer.us. And I'll be here in just a few.
So Laura Loomer is making headlines everywhere right now. Washington Times is talking about her. I wonder if the TV is actually going to show her. But I can tell you that over 350,000 people are watching her live across multiple streams. That's why he shut her down, because she has a platform. She's the one that broke the Broward County fraud in our vote. Like, why would you turn a voice like that off? I'll tell you why. Because you want to silence it. Because you've been instructed to silence it. Just like I know my ban from Twitter wasn't because, you know, uh, I claim that, I claim, we all know it's a fact, that abortion is murder from months ago. And telling her, hey, you know, you've murdered all these babies with abortion. Maybe they sterilized you. Boom. I'm banned. How is that even hate speech? Okay, it's a little bit crude. But she did call our um, first daughter the C word and ended it with unt, right? You know who I'm talking about. Exactly. So that was like from the spring and in the summer they decided to ban me. Had nothing to do with the political opponent that actually filed. And I I kid you not, a couple days before I was banned, uh, a political opponent, some guy that I've been, like I said, investigating for over, for years, but specifically on one matter for over a year, right? Big political power, very corrupt, literally had his office try and file a suit to the court to not let me use the internet. I am not kidding. This is not a joke. And this is when I started publishing, you know, writing with my name, my byline, not under hidden pen names in these big box places that I still write to under a pen name. Okay. Cause I still use my pen name because I have a following under that name. So I can't just say, surprise, it's me. It's like Stephen King saying my name is really, you know, Joe Schmo. So I'm not saying that I'm a Joe Schmo, but you know. So this stuff really happens. Laura was suspended from Twitter for something completely benign before the elections. She was literally suspended. And Right at the elections, after the election, she was allowed back on, and then they permanently banned her. So they silenced her before the elections, keep in mind, for seven days. Specifically, so she cannot tweet, she cannot report, because she has influence. I mean, I don't have many followers on my new incognito-ish type Twitter account, right? Nothing close to what I used to have. But I can tell you, when I had my tens of thousands of followers, I may have gotten, I don't know, 500 to 1,000 retweets a day. No big deal, right? But the impressions I had were upwards of 2 million. Imagine Laura, who had a quarter million people following her, how many impressions. We're talking in the double digits, maybe triple digits, millions a day. And this is why they silenced her quickly because she's a very strong conservative voice, not because she's full of hate. Nope. No, she's not. She reports facts that don't align, that don't align with what we're supposed to be talking about or how we're supposed to be talking. You know, the fact that Twitter 
made the announcement that if you call someone, like if I was to get on Twitter and go to the Twitter handle of uh, Caitlyn Jenner and say, yo, Bruce, what's up? I'm banned. Because I used his name, her name when he was, when she was a he. And because I'm not recognizing him as a her, you know, it's kind of like, you know, Michelle Obama saying, you know, I was really close to doing it. I had to use IVF for my two children. And I'm the believer that you really need a uterus to have two kids. So IVF, but who's uterus? But anyway, that's me. That's my thoughts on that. You know, I may be wrong, but I'm still sticking with it. So let's talk about Argentina a little bit because Argentina is a big deal. The G20 summit this year, you know, the G20 happens every year, right? And just so you guys know, I'm, I actually have a write-up ready so you can go to torysays.com and find this article that, um, I'm finishing up, which is kind of like, Hey, what to expect from the G20, what we know about the G20 and a couple of really hard facts that you probably don't know about, or you're not really told about because, you know, they don't want you knowing about it. That's basically it. So our president left earlier today to go to Buenos Aires, um, which I love, by the way, like I said, it's a place where I can sit outside and have a coffee and literally see Antarctica, you know, uh, icebergs, uh, and probably pet penguins. That's why I've always said to my husband, I know that, uh, you know, in the end we're going to go to Greece because, uh, that's where I'd love to retire and die, you know, just sitting there by the beach, but definitely want to spend some of our retirement in Argentina. And the reason I came to that was back in 2015 when Macri was, um, being elected, he was the Donald Trump of Argentina. He came in full of energy He's intelligent. He was an engineer. He went to Wharton Business School. He he was actually good friends with Donald Trump. They actually had a relationship, like not like relationship, like, Hey, you know, relationship. They were friends. They worked together. So it's pretty interesting to see that three years down the line, even though in 2015, he really uprooted Argentina and made them feel proud to be Argentinian, ousting all the interests like he promised. But now it's 2018, and at the moment, right now, as we're speaking, you know, he's in the middle of negotiating with the IMF. Now, there's an article that I wrote with Big League Politics called Why the IMF is the Biggest Bully on the Planet. You could Google it and find it. But in the write-up that I'll do, I'll link it up. It explains to you who the IMF is. And just so you get it, it's an organization called the International Monetary Fund. And they literally trade debt. They have their own currency, right? Own currency. And that currency increases and is powerful when countries' currencies or countries themselves are in debt. So they need debt in order to be rich because they negotiate all the trade deals. They dictate who gets trade and what. And then if you need money, they'll say, okay, we'll give you money, but you're going to cut, make this budget cut in your country, this budget cut. And you know, the corn you make, you have to 
have a trade agreement with this country and then we'll give you money. I, this is 100, 100% on point. I'm not, you know, overstating it. During the G7 meeting that was in Canada, Trump stormed off and didn't sign the communique. Remember? And the reason he didn't sign it, and if you read my article, you'll see who he was sitting next to. She looks like the a bird. Lagarde, she is so evil. Like when I see her, my skin crawls. And she's in every one of these summits because she is the head honcho of the IMF. And she met with President Mark Macri in September to discuss getting a loan from the IMF. So right now in Argentina, we have protesters saying he wants to make these budget cuts. He has to make these budget cuts. Because one thing is, even though he's selling out his country, right, and they're imposing trade deals like, you know, these NAFTA deals, you know, um, the TPP, all of these things are orchestrated by the IMF. And people don't don't understand that. It's global socialism. They redistribute their wealth among themselves, you know, the countries. It's like, you know, and this is why they hate our president. They don't hate him because he's America first. Well, they do. But I'll tell you why. Because the United States, per Hoover times, created this uh, IMF in a way. So it's actually U.S.-centric. Everything revolves around us because we dictate. We're the biggest economy. We had that industrial boom. We were giving and making and inventing and pushing things that the other corners of the planet for for centuries that have been around did not have. We had innovation because we were a melting pot of different people. We had people from everywhere working together. Like I said, you want a problem solved. You get a room with 10 different people, completely different, look different, think different, pray different, do everything different. Not only will you have a solution, but you'll have the fastest turnout in multiple solutions and then select which one is better. This is why the United States of America succeeded so quickly within 300. We're not even like 300, 300 years old. We're babies. And we have advanced further than any other country because of that. So this is why everything revolves around the United States. And now we have the United States saying, oh, I don't want to sign that. That's not, nope, my country's not betting. Why should I pay for you again? No, it has to be my country first. And they're like, but it doesn't work like that. He's like, well, I don't care. That's the way it's going to work now. And you know what happens? The French, the Germans, Everybody suddenly is exposed, exposed to their people that they don't have money, exposed to the people that without the United States, they have nothing because it's literally, we were the bank and the bank said, um, I'm not playing anymore. So, but, uh, we're supposed to trade like this. And then because we're trading like this, so-and-so is trading like this. You know, it's like a connected thing. The IMF planned it out. Yeah, well, I don't care what they say. We're not doing it anymore. And we're crushing their economies because right now, look what happened. We did not sign the Paris Agreement. But the agreement 
they all sign, they still have to pay all this money. So now that the United States isn't paying that money, they need to get it from their own people. Hence the carbon tax. Do you see what I'm saying? So most of these leaders in these countries hate our president because they envy him. And unfortunately, uh, President Macri down in Argentina tried to do the same thing. But Argentina is not the United States. Argentina is in South America. You know, it's kind of far away from everybody. And nobody really does that much trade with Argentina. I mean, they do, but you know what I mean. Compared to the U.S., no, not really. Right? So they were able, they said, okay, Argentina, you don't want to play? Fine. So suddenly their exports went down. And then they couldn't afford imports. And then their people complained within like, you know, a year, what is going on? We don't have this. We don't have, I don't know, Barbies anymore. Like, and the government's like, yeah, but we can't sell anything because no one's buying and we just have to be self-sustainable. And this is why we're so poor because he tried to implement it. But the IMF, like I said, is a bully. So they crushed the Argentine economy by saying, oh, you don't want to play? fine. Then we don't need to trade with you, but we don't have to like be in a group. I mean, we could just trade because you want my lemons from Argentina. I have good lemons. I grow lemons. And they're like, yeah, that's okay. We'll just get one of these other countries that will submit and join our group to make the lemons for us. We don't want yours. So that's basically what happened to Argentina and where they're at. I'm really hoping that uh, McCree and Donald Trump get together and maybe, you know, our president can tell him, hey, don't worry about it. We got your back. Because I know that's what he told him in 2017 when he was, you know, uh, up here for the first time at the White House. And they both met each other again as presidents, both of them, which was pretty cool for them. So I, I'm really hoping that um, maybe our president can do something great with Argentina. I mean, he struck a deal with Argentina when they came up here. Do you know what that deal was? The first time in 26 years, the U.S. is exporting pork to Argentina. We are selling them piggy, bacon, pork chops, pork, pork. 26 years, we never sold them pork, and they got it. So... Something you need to know also is that there's a lot of information going out there that people at the G20 summit want to appease President Trump. They don't want him walking out and embarrassing them and telling them how they're sellouts and socialists. So they said that they would try to tone down this whole climate change and other agreements and focus on more pertinent things like, you know, uh, terrorism and stuff like that. You know, obviously the media wants to throw in Khashoggi and talk about Saudi Arabia. And I wanted to give you some cool facts. So the G20 means 20 leaders, right? But it's really not. <laughs> Actually, if you count them, they're not. So there's 19 countries plus the European Union. But here's the catch. Of the 19 countries, four of them, where only three are actually official members, are already part of the European. So that's super confusing, right? So like Italy, uh, Germany, and France are labeled as separate countries, but they're also part of the European Union, but the European Union stands by itself, which is super weird. And then Spain is a permanently invited guest, but never 
like an actual member. So that's super weird. Now, something you didn't know is that every year, you know, whatever country is hosting this summit, they're allowed to invite other countries to the meeting that are not part of the G20. So this year, um, Argentina's hosting it. So they invited Chile, which is great because that's their neighbor. Why not? And the Netherlands, which is also part of the EU. So that's really crazy because the Hague is there and, you know, they have a presence uh, through the EU anyway. So that was just super weird. Um, so President Trump is actually meeting with the Argentinian president tomorrow in the morning at 7 a.m. And then right after President Trump's meeting, Angela Merkel will be meeting with the president of Argentina. And then the president of Argentina is going to like welcome everyone and say, hey, what's up? You know, we commence these meetings and they have them. Now, I was actually really excited to... Uh, see uh, President Putin and President Trump get together. But just like Tory's crystal ball said, everyone's going to be like, Russia sanctions, Russia sanctions, sanctions for Russia. And while he was on Air Force One, he announced that he's canceling the meeting with President Putin since he hasn't returned the sailors and the boats back to the Ukraine yet. I mean, a lot can happen in 10 hours. You know, that might change. And he'll be like, all right, I, I gave him back. Let's meet. But on the other hand, them not meeting because he's holding on to the boats and the people is kind of cool because then he can schedule a meeting after that's air quote resolved and it could be a little bit more private and less monitored. You know what I'm saying? So that's better because they have a lot to talk about. So, um, Here's another fun and weird fact, and I'm surprised no one's reported it yet. That's why I've, I've put it in there in my article. So the Mexican president arrived, but the Mexican president that arrived is the president that's not going to be president anymore on Saturday. So he's going to be at the G20 summit as the Mexican president on Saturday holding meetings. But on that same Saturday, the other dude swearing in to be Mexican president. So that's just like, mm, I don't know. Shouldn't have they just sent like, you know, some, you know, foreign relations minister or something rather than the president that's not president anymore? And just, just a suggestion. But anyway, so like I said, Argentina, they fell into that trap. You know, they were kind of um, ousted by everyone around the world since they wanted to not play the socialist game. Because like I said, these leaders are a team and they redistribute the wealth across all the team players. And if anybody listened to the really annoying uh, former President Barack Hussein Obama uh, at his speech for the Baker Institute, you'd hear how he says, everyone look for us for solutions. Everyone, you know, we dictated global changes and policies and trade agreements. And it's like, yeah, we were the referee of the world because we created this socialism so that we can benefit. And then as a last, you know, step is to integrate your own people that built this empire into that global socialist system. That was the whole plan. You know, a socialistic global order, pretty not nice. So that's, that's, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see how the G20 summit goes. And I'm really hoping that President Trump does embarrass them. Um, you know, even though they said that they were going to tone it down in regards to, um, 
you know, the climate change, you know, how's that global warming going? Um, last week it was, there was so much global warming. Chicago froze and had the coldest, um, temperatures ever. Um, you know, soon they're going to convince us that global warming, which means trapping gases and making it really hot, uh, really means ice age. So they're going to flip it on its head and say, oh yeah. And then it changes back to heat, you know? That's what they're going to tell us because nobody is going to go and Google or open up textbooks to show that when you look at ice core research from like the Arctic or Antarctic, where they check carbon levels in the atmosphere that's trapped in the ice from like millions of years ago or 30,000 years ago, you'll see that the carbon that we have in our air right now is way less than what it has been for years. So I don't know where they're getting this whole greenhouse gases. Thing. And this is the scientist Tori speaking. So I know a lot of people are like, Oh, greenhouse gases. And it's like, yeah, but see ice cores say something different. You know, when the dinosaurs were around, there was a lot of oxygen, like so much oxygen. And that's why bugs were so big. That's something people don't know. Bugs don't breathe. They use air pressure to push the oxygen inside their lymph. And that's what they have rather than blood and pump it through, right? It's air pressure. So if there was, there's, there's, it's less of a pressure when you have more of the oxygen. So this is why everybody was so huge, like dinosaurs and you know, mosquitoes that were the size of football fields because there was an abundance of oxygen. So, you know, right now it's not an abundance. It's a good mixture. And the carbon that we have is at a great level and pretty much on point in regards to, you know, uh, the trends that we've seen uh, through our cores that date back millions of years. Actually, it's under. So with all this supposed pollution and everything, uh, we're still under climate change, right? So tomorrow is going to be exciting because today we have the Federal Reserve get together and talk money. Trump is very, very unhappy with the Federal Reserve. I think we should just um, quickly listen to what he had to say in regard to that. Oh, before I forget. So this morning he was asked about Cohen and they were talking. Cohen did this. I think Cohen fell into the trap. The trap that Corsi didn't fall into and the trap that many of us who have ever had political opposition that we've scrutinized or filed complaints against have come after us. They give you these papers and they're like, sign it and I'll make it go away. And it's like, no, don't sign it. Don't agree. Just shut up. And that's the way you should, because now Cohen's dug this deep hole where they're like, don't worry, you'll be fine. And he's going to be in jail for like forever and ever and ever and ever, because Mueller is a crook. You can't take his word for anything. And the thing is, Cohen being an attorney for all these big companies probably did stuff that, you know, was not legal because he could get away with it. And more props to him as long as nobody died and everyone was insured. But the, the bottom line is, you know, he's now trying to give them what they want because here's the thing. If you don't give them what they want, they will look and look and look until they find something kind of, you know, and it's very, very, it's ringing home for me on that one because when they come up empty, they want you to provide something to incriminate yourself just like they're doing a coursey. So Cohen messed up. 
because, you know, before Trump was going to be president, he was going to build another Trump resort or something in Russia. And there was a project while he was doing the campaign. Yeah, backup plan, just in case I don't get elected, uh, expand my business. But he didn't. He didn't get a loan. He didn't anything. There were drafts. There were sketches of a project, just like he had it going on for another, what, five different countries. And they're trying to make something out of it. And it's like, man, this guy has buildings everywhere. Seriously, come on. Like, you suck. You've spent almost $40 million and come up empty and you're still digging. Which means one of two things. There was no Russia collusion. Because we all know there isn't. Or, for some reason, President Trump is really, really good at hiding all the Russia collusion. That's how it goes. And the second one can't be it. Because he's got the whole world jumping in on this investigation. We've got nations across the world, which are shaking. The United Kingdom is like, please do not release those visa documents. Our people will kill us saying that we colluded to sway elections in another country. They will call us tyrants. So tomorrow we'll have a lot to talk about because he's going to be in Argentina and he's going to be talking and this is going to be fun. Until then, stay safe, warm, And do what you love. Don't forget to support Laura Loomer. Free speech, guys. Good night.